Well, do you have a few minutes left in you? Y'all good? Because I'm, I'm really glad to be on the R of freedom. On the R of free. Last night, we uh, talked about the fall of man. And I'm just going to take a little while tonight. I pray not to keep you too long, but I want to encourage you. I want to fill you with faith tonight. I want you to see yourself in who you are in Christ Jesus. And uh, when the Lord began to drop these things in our heart, we were getting ready to uh, start our school. This was all the way back in 1999, and God began to give us, he gave us a song first, and I'm free to worship. I'm free to sit at your feet, and you are my desire. Take me higher. Y'all know those songs, don't you? I think there's a CD out there with that song on it. Free to worship. I think that CD's out there. But anyway, it was, uh, we got to do that CD. Uh, Pastor Joel Osteen, my sister, had just gone to Lakewood, and they asked us to do a worship conference, and we had over 1,200 reg- registrants come and uh, just had a phenomenal time, and we captured that whole weekend. And the free to worship, these concepts begin to come out of that. And so tonight I want to talk about, we talked about the fall of man. Tonight I want to talk about the redemption of man. The redemption of man. And then tomorrow night we're going to talk about establishing that new covenant on the inside of our life. But taking, what is redemption? What does redemption mean? A definition of the word redemption. Basically it's this, taking possession of that which was lost. Taking possession of that which was lost. To buy back. To purchase. And we see this in Scripture in Matthew chapter 13. uh, There in uh, verse 45 and 46 where it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is a dealer in, in search of a fine and precious set of pearls. Who on finding a single pearl, of great price, went and sold all he had, and he bought it. In essence, this is what Christ did for you and I. On the cross, he redeemed all of us. He bought back from the curse of Adam every human being on the earth that would simply... Here's the thing. He bought it back for every human being. Not one person ever born, born in sin, was left out. The only prerequisite is they have to accept it. They have to simply say yes to what Christ did for them. In Hebrews chapter 9, these are powerful scriptures. Verse 11 through 28, the Bible says, But that appointed time came when Christ the Messiah appeared as a high priest of the better things that have come and are and are to come. Then through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that is not a part of this material creation. In other words, he's talking about a tabernacle that was not made for Old Testament worship, that tent of meeting. And then there were two other tabernacles that were made and set up there in Jerusalem. And that tabernacle will be built one more time before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, 
He went once and for all into the holy of holies of heaven. Not by virtue of the blood of goats and calves, by which to make a conciliation between God and man, but his own blood, having found and secured a complete redemption, an everlasting release for us. When you receive and accept what Christ did for you, you don't have to work for another thing because he purchased it all for you. He did it all for us. All he asks us to do is say yes to what he did. To acknowledge the blood that was shed. For if the mere sprinkling of unholy and defiled persons with blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of burnt, of heifer, of burnt heifers is sufficient for the purification of the body, which it was under the old covenant, how much more? My God. How much more surely shall the blood of Christ, who by virtue of His eternal Spirit, His own preexistent Divine personality. He's always been. And he will always be. He was there. Before anything was created. The lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. When the Trinity sat down there. Wherever they sat. In the portals of glory. And they began to map out our creation. God knew. That man would mess it up. And he had a plan. He had a plan. It wasn't his second thought. He knew in his foreknowledge that we would mess it up. And he made a way. He made a way. How much more surely shall the blood of Christ, who by virtue of his eternal spirit, his own preexistent divine personality, has offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice to God, purify our consciences from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. What happened tonight doesn't happen in every church. They go through the motion of dead works. And they leave the place the same way they came. But tonight we experienced that freedom to worship. The observances of serving, worshiping the living God. He's not a dead God. I don't come into the building and, and you know, kneel before the cross. He, he's not on that cross. He's the ever living. Never dying. Verse 14. Christ the Messiah is therefore the negotiator and the mediator of an entirely new agreement. A testament, a covenant. We're in covenant with our God. And He's a keeper of that covenant. It doesn't matter if we walk out these doors and we, we make choices in breaking that covenant. He never breaks that covenant. He stands waiting like that father for that son 
who said, Dad, I want my inheritance now. And he went out in the world and he squandered it. But the father waited, knowing that the day would come when that boy got sick of living the life of the world. And he'd come back home. That was his dream. So every day he'd go to that porch and he'd look, waiting for the day, knowing he would see the visage of that boy. Sure enough, didn't look like he did when he left. Been living with the hogs, eating the husks, the leftovers of the hogs. Probably hadn't had a bath in a long time. But the father ran to greet him. He didn't wait for him to get on the porch and then chewed him out because he had squandered it all. But he threw his arms around him and he said, where's the robe? Where are the shoes? Where's the rain? Where's the calf? Come on. We're going to have us a barbecue. We're going to have a celebration because my son has come home. Christ the Messiah, the negotiator, the mediator. You don't have to do the negotiating. He's already done it. It's done. It's finished. All we have to do is say it. Oh, Kalaba. So that those who are called and offered, it may receive the fulfillment of the promised everlasting inheritance. Since a death has taken place, which rescues and delivers and redeems them from the transgressions committed under the old first agreement. That's our Messiah. For a will and testament is valid and takes effect only at death. I just went through that process with my mom. This past Monday, she went to the county seat. And they had her will mediated and recorded so that all of the documents now can be transferred and anything that needs to go to my mom or to the next of the kin or whatever it is, it's all been done. But my father had to pass, first of all, for any of that to go into effect. For where there is a last will and testament involved, the death of one who made it must be established. For a will and testament is valid and takes effect only at death, since it has no force or legal power as long as the one who made it is alive. So even, look at this. This is powerful. Verse 17. This is in the book of Hebrews. Y'all know where I'm at, right? Y'all follow along. So even the old first covenant, God's will was not inaugurated and ratified and put into force without the shedding of blood. For when every command of the law had been read out by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of slain calves and goats together with water and scarlet wool and with a bunch of hyssop and sprinkled both the book, the roll of the law, and the covenant itself. And then he sprinkled the people. saying these words, this is the blood that seals and ratifies the agreement, the testament, 
the covenant which God commanded me to deliver to you. And in the same way, he sprinkled the blood, both the tabernacle and all the sacred vessels and appliances used in divine worship. In fact, under the law, almost everything is purified by means of blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is neither release from sin and its guilt, nor the remission of the due and merited punishments of sin. By such means, therefore, it was necessary for the earthly copies of the heavenly things to be purified. But the actual heavenly things themselves required far better and nobler sacrifices than these. For Christ the Messiah has not entered into a sanctuary made with human hands, a copy and pattern and a type of the true one. But he has entered into heaven itself. Now to appear in the very presence of God on our behalf. Nor did he enter into the heavenly sanctuary to offer himself regularly again and again. As the high priest enters the Holy of Holies every year with blood, not of his own. For then would he often have had to suffer over and over again since the foundation of the world. But as it is now, he has once and for all. Turn to your neighbor and say once and for all. At the consummation and close of the ages appeared to put away and abolish sin by his sacrifice of himself. In one act. What Adam did in the garden. God redeemed it all. With one act. With one act. And just as it is appointed for all men once to die. And after that the certain judgment. Even so it is that Christ having been offered to take upon himself. And bear as a burden the sins of many. Once and for all. Will appear a second time. Not to carry any burden of sin. Nor to deal with sin. But to bring to full salvation. Those who are eagerly constantly and patiently waiting. And expecting him. In other words Jesus is not going to come. And you have to understand something. With a wipe of his hand. Every enemy, if you've ever been to Israel and stood there where Elijah the prophet fought Baal and you overlooked the valley of Megiddo, it's a big, long place. And look across to Nazareth on the other side. The Bible says Jesus will only speak and every enemy that comes against him that day. The Bible says they will be slain and the blood of those people, those animals, those military, whoever they are, the Bible says their blood will run as deep as the bridles of a horse. Ain't going to be much fight. You know why? The battle's already been won. Redemption has already been taken care of. You see, we don't operate like we have that redemption. It's already done. Yes, we do fight against principalities and powers, but our warfare is not carnal, but mighty through God. He's the one who pulls down our adversaries. All we do is speak 
what he has already said. We just put into effect what he's already done. And when you worship, you activate that realm. The atmosphere changes. The Bible says the devil flees just at the mention of his name. You don't have to know a, 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 a major evangelist prayer. Or, or, or a man you know of that prays all these magnificent, long, deep prayers. All you have to do is speak the name. And just at the mention of that name, the Bible says the devil goes, Go. Well, the devil made me do it, as our friend says. No, he didn't. You did it on your own. Don't even blame it on the devil. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't make you do it. You did it on your own. Christ did what the law could not do. The law had no redemptive power at all. It was a shadow. It was a type of what would happen when Christ comes. And give, to give his life on the cross. The perfect spotless lamb. The, you know, the swaddling clothes that Jesus was wrapped in and laid in the manger. You know why they had the swaddling clothes even available? Anybody have any idea? Because the lamb that was to be taken for sacrifice... The shepherds would wrap that lamb in swaddling clothes so it wouldn't get damaged or hurt. And they would carry it to be sacrificed. Jesus, even in his birth, was laid in that manger in his swaddling clothes knowing there'd be a day when he would hang for you and I. And when he would take our place. He would take our place. Who is redemption for? Somebody tell me. Whosoever will. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. Romans 3.23 says this. Since all have sinned and are falling short of the honor and glory which God bestows and receives. All are justified. And made upright in right standing with God. Freely. Gratuitously. That word gratuitously is where we get the word to, to give a gratuity or 10%. Or in other words, whenever you go and, and you have a meal and you do it and, and you give 20% or whatever it is, it's not because they deserve it. It's because you were blessed or whatever and you want to do it in spite of them. Not by the service you got. Think about that a minute. What if we got what we deserved? It'd be death, hell, and the grave. That's what grace is. God's gratuitous love was bestowed upon us. Free of charge. One of the things that makes me the maddest is whenever I go to a restaurant and they put my gratuity on the bottom of my bill. And I have to be very careful because my carnal mind wants to go, well, if you think that's all you're worth, that's fine. I was going to do 20%. I might do more. It's pretty interesting. 
All are justified, verse 24 of Romans chapter 3. And made upright in right standing with God, freely and gratuitously by His grace, His unmerited favor and His mercy, through the redemption which is provided in Jesus Christ, whom God put forth before the eyes of all as a mercy seat and propitiation. That big word, propitiation, is the act of redeeming. Regaining what was lost. He did it, knowing we had no help, no hope. He sweated great drops of blood in the garden. Father, if you'll let this pass for me, let it pass. But if not, you will be done. Whom God put forth before the eyes of all as a mercy seat and propitiation by his blood, the cleansing. And life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. He died for everyone. Anyone and everyone. All we have to do is by faith say, it's mine. Yes. This was to show God's righteousness because in his, look at this. In his divine forbearance, he had passed over and ignored former sins without punishment. It was to demonstrate and prove at the present time. I love this. In the now season. When this passage was written to the church at Rome. It's just as real today. As it was. When it was penned. It was to demonstrate and prove at the present time in the now season that he himself is righteous and that he justifies and accepts as righteous him who has true faith in Jesus Christ. Christ's invitation is to whosoever will may come. His righteousness, his grace, and his mercy are extended to all. Whose redemption for is for all. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse or the doom of the law and its condemnation. By himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and is crucified. Verse 14. To the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing I have a friend of mine from South Africa who did probably two years of messages on the blessing. People have no idea what that blessing is. It is redemption, but it's more than just being born again. The blessings of sonship. It's all the rights and privileges of being a son of the Most High God. We have no excuse yes, right. to walk in sin no, that's right. or to think that there's anything that world out there has to offer that could even compare right. to what our Heavenly Father has given us through His Son yes, that's right. and all that awaits us yes, that's right. through all eternity. And the th- neat thing about it is as we begin to look uh, tomorrow night of, of establishing that 
covenant in our lives is the fact that we can enjoy these rights and privileges on the earth. It's not just the sweet by and by, well, it'll all be good when I get there. No, it's, it's going to be great now. God, I'm telling you. But if you cannot see it and you don't know who you are, you'll never walk. You'll still operate and function as if you're still under the law. To the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles so that we through faith might all receive the realization of the promises. One passage says of the Holy Spirit. Another one says by the Holy Spirit. These promises are revealed by the Holy Spirit. So if you want to live a religious life and, and just go through the motions of religion, you can. But why would we when we have all of these benefits and blessings at our disposal? All the promises of God have been given to us through the redemptive work of the cross. And all we have to do is korabasha elamisete pelamino keladasta oramam balaneño celari melenoso kelamam balanesolari. And as you worship, God begins to give you a download. He begins to show you the direction. He begins to show you creative ideas to where you know exactly what you're supposed to do. Your worship takes on a whole different mindset and thought. It's communion with God. We have been purchased and given rights and privileges to live in a realm. To where all you do, and whenever you begin to pray in other tongues, what you're doing is you're allowing the Holy Spirit to pray that perfect prayer through you, and then it goes through your spirit, man, then to your mind and out your mouth. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our redemption brings some things to us. Yes, it brought salvation. John 3, 16. Whosoever will. It brings acquittal. There is no trial. You've been acquitted. But you don't know how bad I was. You don't know how many times I've been in jail. God says, I don't care. I'll wipe it clean. You've been acquitted. Oh, that's enough there to run the building. Every person here in this room has skeletons in our closet. And God went behind our back and he removed every one. They're not there anymore. On redemption day, when we stand before him, he won't even bring it up. I'm free to worship. It brings acquittal. Cancellation. 
No record of wrongdoing. The horrible thing about taking a life or, or a problem in the home to where there's infidelity or whatever it is or sex outside of, of marriage or, or, or you know, all those types of things is, is the fact that it leaves a stamp on our mind. And then it's hard to get past that. But under the blood, God doesn't cover it. He, he washes it away. It's like he wipes the hard drive clean. If you're letting. If you're letting. He wants to wipe our hard drives clean. Totally acquitted. No record. Of our past. That's why baptism is so important. Baptism is so important because when you go under the pool in the water, uh, under the water, it's like that old person, all the things. All the infidelity, whatever it was, if he had an abortion or or sex outside of marriage and all those whatever it is. Murder, I don't care, whatever it is. When you come out of that water, you're a new creation. Is it really that easy? Yes. It's that easy. It's a picture of what's been done in the supernatural realm, in the real book of, me- of remembrance. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 15, but God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. You can't even compare it. As bad as the fall was, the grace is greater. The grace is greater not to live and do what you want to do. But that unmerited favor that God would acquit me. And wipe away any record of my wrongdoing. Of my former father, Adam. Do you know who you are? For if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to the Huchukah. To and for the benefit of many. Nor is the free gift at all to be compared to the effects of that one man's sin. For the sentence following the trespass of one man brought condemnation. Whereas the free gift, the free gift, the free gift, following many transgression brings justification, an act of righteousness. But I don't feel righteous. I don't care. In the eyes of God, you are. If you are born again, you are righteous in His sight. For if because of one man's trespass, lapse, or offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with Himself, reign as kings. 
in life through the one man. Do you see that? They'll live as kings in life. Kings in life. In life. I will rule and I will reign and I will take dominion. I will take ground for the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. I will rule and I will reign. And I will take ground. I will take dominion. Why? Because it's my right. It's a part of my inheritance. And all I am doing is declaring what my brother did for me. The enemy is a defeated foe. He's got a bunch of loud mouth demonic helpers. And all they are is mouth. Putting them in right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Well then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step and falling away led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life for all men. For just as one man's disobedience failing to hear heedlessly and carelessly, the many were constituted sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, brought into right standing with Him. But then the law came in only to expand and increase the trespass, making it more apparent and, it, and, and, ex, and it basically exposing the fact we could never live up to it. But where sin increased and abounded, grace, God's unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased the more and super. Abounded. So that just as sin has reigned in death, so grace, God's unmerited favor and undeserved favor might reign also through righteousness. Right standing with God, which issues in eternal life through Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, our Lord. It issues in. It catapults it. It brings an explosion of that power in our life. That eternal flame. It just. You see life so differently. Through Adam's sin, a sentence of death was passed out. Without a promise of resurrection. It was passed to all men. So by obedience of Christ, taking man's place, that sentence was completely canceled. And original domination, dominion was restored. That one act. Whenever that veil, Jesus said it is finished. And that curtain that covered the Holy of Holies, that temple that was erected at that time, people think it was just a little curtain. Historians tell us that it was many layered and it was close to 22 inches thick. And it didn't rip from the bottom to the top. It ripped from top to the bottom. And instantly the Holy of Holies was exposed. And basically it meant anyone 
was able to come and worship freely. I didn't have to go through a priest. Through that one act of Christ, I became a priest. One is constituted a sinner through Adam's sin, not by his own sin. That sin's been passed. We're born in sin. So also one is constituted righteous through Christ, not his own personal acts of righteousness. You can't do enough good stuff to merit God's grace and his mercy. It's a free gift. How many of you guys remember remember the story of uh, Christmas Vacation and uh, Chevy Chase, all the family, he gets locked in the, in the uh, attic and all the family has gone off to town to shop or whatever and he goes up there trying to stay warm and he gets to feeling around and he feels one of his gifts that he had left up, he had hid away. It's kind of like that with the body of Christ. There's so many gifts that God has available for us, and it's, it's kind of like we've hid them away. They're out of sight, out of mind. And so we think they're not available. But they are. But they are. They are. Hallelujah. Redemption brings the finished work of the cross. Romans chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, Because we know that Christ, the anointed one, being once raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. For by the death, for by the death he died. He died to sin, ending his relationship to it. Think about that just a minute. And through our redemption, through him, that same, that same act, we should have no relationship with it. Because when you play around with the sin nature, when you have been given a new nature, you're playing with fire. You're opening yourself up to the attack of the enemy for him to be able to come in and kill, still, and destroy. That's right. He is still the prince and power of this air. God gave him that dominion. But, and that's a big but, <laughs> through the new birth, he gave us dominion over that realm. But you have to know who you are. For by the death he died, he died to sin, ending his relationship to it once and for all. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship to him. You see, the whole point of God redeeming us was so we could have fellowship with him. So that that intimacy that Adam had before the fall, you and I could enjoy. 
Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relationship to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. And there it is. We could go back to Hebrews 9, but there's a lot there that's it's just a lot of great stuff. And then I think my last thought here I'm going to bring to you, it brings restoration. It brings a restored covenant relationship between God and his creation. Jesus' blood brought atonement for you and I. Romans 3, 23 through 26 talks about all of that again. The veil was torn. First see the veil of the tent of meeting and then the veil of the tabernacle. If you look at Exodus chapter 26, you see all of that. And I've got all that scripture there for you to see. Look at Luke chapter 23. You see where the curtain is ripped. It was now uh, Luke 20, uh, 23, 44. And it was now about the sixth hour midday and darkness enveloped the whole land and the earth until the ninth hour, about three o'clock in the afternoon. And while the sun's light faded or was darkened, the curtain of the Holy of Holies of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And the, with these words, he gave up the ghost. The covenant was then complete and totally restored between man and God. Wasn't anything else to be done. The lamb had been slain, and on the third day, Jesus would be raised from the dead, and he would be raised, and he would take his own blood to the mercy seat of heaven and he would put his blood on that mercy seat and then he would sit down at the right hand of the father taking his place and say it's finished nothing else for Jesus to do nothing else for Jesus to do he's done it all he's done it all all we have to do is say yes. In Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now the main point of what we have to say about all of this is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the majesty of God in heaven. As officiating priest a minister in the holy places and in the true tabernacle, which is erected not by man but by God. Jesus is praying for you. Now he prays for the saints. People say all the time, well, where's Jesus? They say, well, he's in my heart. And I understand what they're saying. But actually, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. It's the Holy Spirit you feel in your heart. And the Holy Spirit will always give reverence to the Son. He will never violate that. And for some people that are, are a little bit afraid of this Spirit-filled walk with God, they're afraid that the Holy Spirit's going to make them do something that's really weird. No, I'm serious. But the whole, but listen, no, I'm serious. But he doesn't make, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. Now, you may get happy. And, and, and this, 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 an outward expression of worship may be jumping and dancing and rolling and whatever. 
But that's an outward expression of what's happening on the inside. But the Holy Spirit will never force you to do anything. That's not who He is. That's not what He does. His main job is to bear witness of Jesus. That's His job. But the more you realize who Jesus is, the more the Holy Spirit's able to work in your heart and there's more expression. I have another message that I preach called the cycle of life. You remember the old uh, uh, line, King, the circle of life? It's not the circle. It's the cycle of life. But it's that cycle that once, you know, I, I'm not going to go there because I know we got to go home. But my, but, but my point is, is that as officiating priest, a minister in the holy places in the true tabernacle, which is erected not by man. Look at Hebrews 8. I'm going to drop you just a couple more in your heart. Hebrews 8, verses 8 through 13. Look at this. However, he finds fault with them, showing its inadequacies when he says, Behold, the days will come, says the Lord, when I will make and ratify a new covenant or agreement with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I will not be like the covenant that I made. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers on the day when I grasped them by the hand to help and relieve them and to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not abide in my agreement with them and so I withdrew my favor and disregarded them saying Lord for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel those of the seed of Abraham how many of the seed of Abraham are here tonight you've been grafted in after those days says the Lord I will imprint my laws upon their mind even upon their innermost thoughts and understanding and engrave them upon their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. And it will never more be necessary for each one to teach his neighbor and his fellow citizen or each one his brother saying, No, perceive and have knowledge of and get acquainted by experience with the Lord. For all will know me from the smallest to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful and gracious toward their sins and I will remember their deeds of unrighteousness no more. When God speaks of a new covenant or new agreement, he makes the first one obsolete null and void in the in the amplified it says he makes the first one obsolete out of use and what is obsolete out of use and annulled because of age is ripe for disappearance and to be dispensed of altogether there's going to be a day when christ comes and he puts his feet upon the the mount of olives and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years and he's going to set up his kingdom and it's going to be a powerful time it's going to be a powerful time. Let's go on and read just a couple of more and I'm done. Hebrews 10, 19 and 20 says this. Therefore, brethren, since we have full freedom. Full freedom. Turn to anybody and say full freedom. And confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies by the power and virtue in the blood of Jesus. By this fresh and new and living way which he initiated and dedicated and opened for us through the separating curtain, the veil of the Holy of Holies, that's through his flesh. It was a picture that through Christ Jesus, we would have entrance into the holy things of God. That all of those benefits would be ours for the taking. We would never have to go through a priest to offer a sacrifice for us. You don't have to go down here to the Catholic Church and sit in the confession room and, and, and pay for, for some priest to forgive you. Yeah. 
you are free to worship. You have the same right to enter into the throne room of heaven as that priest does. This is powerful. Deliverance. Deliverance from sin, from condemnation. Oh, my gosh. There's just so much. Oh, I'm down my last page. Let me leave you with this last one. Dead works. Free from dead works. Back to Hebrews 6. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Now, don't be misled. There was only one perfect human being that ever lived. And his name is Jesus Christ. There is no, quote, sinless perfection. But understand me. Under the blood, he sees me as perfect. That's not an oxymoron. That's not a whatever that is. Two opposites, you know, that never meet. That's not what we're talking about. In our fallen state, in this old nature, we could never measure up. But whenever we came to Christ and we received what he did for us on the cross, the Bible says that he washed us white as snow. And whenever God himself looks down upon mankind, all he sees is the blood of his son. He sees us covered in a white robe of righteousness. We have been made perfect in him. That's what redemption is. Has bought us. Let us go on to perfection. Not laying against. The foundation of repentance from dead works. And of faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms. And of laying on of hands. And of of resurrection of the dead. And of eternal judgment. And this will we do. If God permit. We'll do all of these things. We'll teach the doctrines of baptism. Laying on of hands. Resurrection of the dead. Eternal judgment. We'll talk about all these things. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. And have tasted of the heavenly gift. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. And have tasted the good works of God. And the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance. Basically it's impossible. And you have to understand something. I grew up Southern Baptist. So my tendency. Is to feel that. When I was born again, I was placed in the hand of Jesus, and around the hand of Jesus goes the hand of the Father. But I'm also a teacher, and I've read through the book of Hebrews. And when you see the apostasy that took place, and really for those people, what was happening was what they did was as they came to Christ and they began to live the life of a Christian, but because of the persecution. And because of the attacks of their Jewish family members that were still going through the rituals of the law. Because of the pressure of being ostracized or losing their inheritance. They went back to their old way of life. In my lifetime, I've only known one, maybe two people. That I've heard them preach. 
And I've heard them lead people to Christ and share the gospel. But as they got older, they allowed the things of the world to come in. And this particular man was one of my dad's best friends. They went to college together, went to seminary together. And I watched that man begin to get involved in drugs and alcohol. And when that man was finally about 67 years of age, he was living in a one-room motel with a prostitute and a transvestite. And my dad went to that man and he said, Bullet, that was his nickname, Kenneth, what in the world are you doing living in this mess? He said, well, Joe, I guess I just like it. For me, that was a blasphemous act. And if you walk away, how can he ever be redeemed again? Because of the grace and the mercy of God, I think it's almost impossible for God to turn you away. If there is a sin unto death, I think that man probably stepped over the line. We'll only know when we get to heaven. But my point being is, is why in the world, having been given redemption, forgiveness, acquittal, how in the world could we go back to that old way of life and say, I guess I just like it? For me, it doesn't even equate. I can't even imagine. I just, I can't imagine. Having tasted the good works of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him in an open shame. For God is not unrighteous to forget your works and your labor of love which ye have shown toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you should show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. For me, that redemption saved me from dead works. If there's been true redemption, salvation, acquittal, then there has to be a response back to Holy God. And for me, that act is worship. It's worship. I've been freed from this old way of life. And I ain't going back. I'm not going back. I've been freed from dead religion. I'll never forget one last story, and, and we'll go. I'll, I'll never forget. We'd been traveling for probably about a year, year and a half, and we were asked to come back to First Baptist Church in Greenville, Texas. And we're ministering there in that Baptist church, and it's dead. I mean, the people are looking at you like a calf at a new gate, <laughs> and, and we're all happy and celebrating and everything, and they got their fingers. It's Nothing about it for them is happy. It's, it's against everything that they love. I come down to the invitation, and we had young people come to give their hearts to Christ. They're standing at the front, 
And I walked down there to pray for a girl. And I was holding her by the hand in a Baptist church. And she started to fall. And Jody was helping me. I said, hold her up. I did. I said, hold her up. Don't let her fall. Don't let her fall. And then I told her, I said, sweetheart, this is the power of God. You can live like this the rest of your life. And we finished ministering and we got in the car and we started to drive home. And Jody said, Dad, is this the kind of church you grew up in? I said, absolutely. But you see, our kids, they never knew that religious crap. They never had to experience that. Now, have they seen religion? Yeah. We've been in churches that there's a religious spirit there. They think they've got it all under control, and they, they think their way is the best. And hey, more power to you. But when you're free to worship, then we can enjoy what we enjoy tonight. And we don't have to manipulate anything. It's a flow. It's a flow from heaven itself. It's an overflow of our relationship with the Father. Isn't that awesome? So thank God we're not still under the old covenant. But we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And then tomorrow night we'll start with establishing what was the old covenant based on and the new covenant. We're going to talk about some of the things that God has placed in our hands so that we know how to use these tools. We know how to use these weapons that God has put in our hands. Amen. Is that a blessing to you tonight?